Father, thank you so much for a new day, Lord. Thank you for the beauty, the majesty of your name, God. And we thank you, Father, that we can come together and fellowship and knowing that you are here with us, Father God. I just pray, Father God, lift it up to you. Um, the people that they was killed this weekend, Father God, I just pray for our brothers and sisters, for the persecuted church, my God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you strengthen the family members, Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that you give them peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, Father God, and for everything that is going on here in our own country, Father, uh, I pray, Lord, that your hand of mercy will be in this country, Father God. So we thank you, Father God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you are strengthening my brother this morning, Father God, that he will be able to speak exactly what you already placed in his heart, Father God. So we thank you in advance. We give you glory and honor, Father. Uh, take control of this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
creation of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Lord of heaven and earth.
Well, Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day and this opportunity to gather, Lord, to open up your word, to be encouraged, Father, to continue to persevere, Lord, to continue to grow more and more like you, God, to love as you love, to serve as you serve, Lord, to proclaim the goodness of our God, to proclaim the, the salvation that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Not for us to live according to the flesh, to abide in you, to live according to the Spirit. Your Word says that if we walk habitually in the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So strengthen us this day, O God. May we be attentive to the reading of your Word. And God, may we not only be hearers of the Word, but may we be doers. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to John chapter 1 this morning. <clears throat> it's good to be back up among you all and be able to preach. I haven't preached, I think, in over a month, it seems, or maybe more. So it's good to be up to bring the word. I'm believing the Lord will give me the strength to get through it today. We've got a lot to cover. <clears throat> this week and next week, we're going to kind of go off. Um, the path that we've been on, and then after my surgery in a couple of weeks, we'll come back to um, walking through the Bible as we started in Genesis and kind of bouncing around. We're going to get back to that um, once I get back on my feet. But at least while I'm on my feet this week and next week, we're going to kind of go a different route and kind of go through some other portions of Scripture and hopefully to encourage you all to continue to persevere. We can turn on the evening news, we could even just go outside and we can see that the world, and as we've talked about it numerous times here, is growing darker. Darker by the day, by the hour. But as Christians, that shouldn't provoke any fear in us, nor should it make us seem like it is de defeated, because it's not. Because the whole purpose of it to grow darker is for us to grow brighter. There's work to be done. One thing I've always said is when I face these seasons of sickness is that usually when I'm down and out is usually when I do the most reflection. And really praying and opening up God's word and it's just me and him because I can't get up to do anything else. So as I've been laying there over this past month and I've just been kind of just taking everything in and just seeking him, I keep just bringing back to the harvest. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. To pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. And I'm believing in this generation, that's what God is preparing. He's preparing a mighty move of his laborers to go out and to bring in the harvest. There are people waiting for you to come along their path with the good news of Jesus Christ. There are those still held in bondage and in slavery that need you to open up your mouth and share the good news of Christ with them. 
They need to see you live it out before them as well. We need to love more. We need to serve more. We can't allow our Christian life just to become about ourselves. It's much more than what God is doing in our life. It's what God wants to do in the lives of others through you. Because if you're a Christian, if you're sitting here and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been born again. Born again of this new nature. And we've talked about it before. It doesn't mean you're perfect. We're not striving to be perfect. But what we are striving is to grow up, to mature. We are only perfected when we are with Him. And His grace, His grace, Remember what grace is. It's the power that transforms. It's not the license to keep sinning. And a lot of times what we hear in this generation is that grace is the power or the right to keep sinning. God covers that sin. No, what grace is that God transforms us so that we won't continue to be enslaved to sin. Because remember what the Bible says in Romans 6. That chapter is powerful. It gives us the understanding that sin has been defeated. The power of sin has been broken. And we have this this incredible opportunity to walk in freedom, you all. Not to be enslaved any longer to our past, to our desires, to our wants, to our needs. Remember, I've asked you this time and time again before, is how are you, what are you living out of? You're either living out of your brokenness, or you're living out of the newness of life in Christ. See, your brokenness doesn't have to continue to define you. You will not be an effective laborer if all you see is your brokenness, all you see is your past. You will be an effective laborer when you put your whole trust And the one who has called you out of darkness and into light. To the one who willingly laid his life down for you. Who knew your condition and yet still loved you. Knew you were in complete rebellion towards him and yet willingly laid his life down. And in doing so, when he awoke up on that third day, when he came out of that tomb... That power, that resurrection power, defeated sin and death. The condition that held you in slavery is defeated, you all. It's defeated. You can live upright now. Not in and of yourself, but in Christ and in Christ alone. Trusting Him day in and day out. No matter what your afflictions are, no matter what may be pressing up against you, your hope has to be in Christ. You have to be rooted in Christ. And so these these trials come, these these afflictions come to only only to promote us, if you would, but to allow our roots to grow down deep, to trust Him even more. What are you trusting Him for today? What are, you, what are you trusting Him to do in your life today? Because whatever you're facing, you ought to tell Him. You ought to cling to Him. Because in and of ourselves, we cannot maintain freedom. 
We cannot maintain it. All we know to do is to go back. I've been thinking a lot about the dog and its vomit. How he returns to it and laps it up. That's not how we should be living. Going back to what we know. But that's what we do. Because that's all we know. That old man, that old woman within, those old desires. Remember, as the Word of God, and we're going to see in Scripture again today, is that we are to consider that nailed to the cross. That we are alive, afresh and anew, living differently, a wholeness. Remember, nothing missing, nothing broken. That is how you're to be living every day. When challenges are set before you, when temptations are set before you, you need to remind yourself that you are in Christ. You are a new creation. You don't have to go that way. You can choose to go that way. But you're choosing it out of your brokenness. You're choosing to continue to see yourself broken. But when you wake up each day and you encourage yourself in the Lord and you remind yourself that in Christ you are whole, Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's why when Jesus says, peace I give you, peace I leave with you, that peace is wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken, no matter what your circumstances are. I've been thinking a lot about the persecuted church. So many people have died over the past couple of days. So many people have died throughout the generations because of their faith in Christ. So many people today will die today because they bowed their knee to follow Jesus. They've given themselves to Christ, forsaking everything. They knew that when they bowed their knee, their life from that point on has changed. And yet, they continue to go on. Yet, I am challenged by reading their testimonies. Yet, I am challenged by when I open up the Word of God and I see what the early church had to endure. But I see what Paul had to endure. And yet, they endured. They did not grow weak and weary. They continued what God called them to. And that's my question for us today. Are we going to continue what God has called us to? That's something you have to settle within your own heart. Because people are falling left and right away from the faith. People are missing out on truly the call of Christianity. We want Christianity to, to be this come kumbaya type religion. It's not. Christianity is a call to die to yourself. To follow him, to pick up your cross, and to follow the one in whom you're saying, I've surrendered my life to. I've given my life to. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I pray today that we would be the laborers that will go forth and be effective for his kingdom, for his glory. Come what may. Whatever happens around us, whatever goes on out there, that we would continue 
fight for the faith. To uphold his truth. To live for him. Go to John chapter 1. Listen to how these, the, the scripture lays out. We're going to read 1 through 14. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word <coughs> was God. Jesus, the living word, you all. From the beginning, Jesus existed. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him. And nothing <coughs> was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I want you all to highlight that, to underline it, to when you get the notes this week, to go back and, and look at that verse. Let that be a verse that you just meditate on and draw strength from. The darkness cannot extinguish the light of Christ within you. Amen. <laughs> Far too long, as Christians, we'd have been living a weak, miserable life. Still enslaved and enchained to bondage. People see darkness ruling over our lives. And it ought not to be because Scripture says that darkness cannot extinguish light. And if we are in Christ, the Bible says that he has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So let your light shine. And as I've encouraged you throughout the years, you ought to be burning bright out there because it's getting darker. You may be the only hope someone sees in the midst of their darkness because of the light. Christ that you carry. That's why we cannot be yoked up with them. It doesn't mean we draw, we pull away from the world. No, we ought to be in the world, shining the light. But we're not to be partake of the world. If they see us continue to live as they live, then what hope do we display? We're not to go along with their customs and how they live, and what they're choosing to do, and glorifying what they do, taking pleasure in it. No! You're to live differently because you recognize now that you are a foreigner. You're just passing through. You're just passing through. But as you're passing through, shine brightly. Burn brightly. So others can know of Christ. We've talked about it a lot here, about eternity. You're going to either spend it in heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. It's your choice. How you live reflects your heart. How you live reflects truly who you are. 
And I told you before, you want to really know if you're walking with God? You really want to know if you know God? Listen to your words. Mind your thoughts. Where are they leading you? Because if you're leading a life of rebellion, day in and day out, and day in and day out, and day in and day out, does that really honor God? There will be those that will stand before Him thinking they knew Him. I went to church, prayed prayers, did what I was supposed to do. I even did things in your name. He's going to look at them. I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of sin, you worker of iniquity. I know in this day and generation, it's not popular to talk about that. We want this Jesus to just, just embrace everyone. Everyone in, everyone in, everyone come in. But that's not who you find him to be. He himself tells his disciples, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you. I am the light, and darkness cannot extinguish it. Darkness. And so as believers, darkness should not be ruling you. And if you're enslaved to sin right now, if you're finding yourself just constant in turmoil, well, then there is hope for you today. Because as long as there's breath in your body, you can repent and turn to Christ, your Lord. See, His love endures forever. Nothing will be able, able to separate you from His love. His love is pursuing you. He is constantly revealing himself to you. That's what makes him righteous in his judgment and for him to be just in his judgment. Because he has done everything to draw you to himself. But if you keep refusing, then that's your choice. See, he was from the beginning. Jesus wasn't an afterthought. He was from the beginning. He was with God. He is God. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Listen to how this is described in verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But all, verse 12, who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You've been given the right to become children of God, you all. If you believe, if you accept Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior, you recognize him to be the Son of God. You recognize him to be the Messiah. You recognize him. He is your deliverer. He has freed you. <coughs> he has forgiven you. Can you just take that in for a moment? You have been forgiven. Forgiven. All of us were born into sin. We were born in a rebellious nature towards God. And yet God came. And yet he knew he would be rejected and despised. He knew that he would be beaten, nailed to a cross. But he came. He came. For you. For me. He came. And in so coming, for those who would believe, because not everyone's believing you all. Not everybody is a Christian. Not everybody will become a Christian. But for those who will, they would be given the right to be called the children of God. The Bible says that you have been engrafted, that you have been adopted. You've been given the right to call him Daddy. Wow. So the word says here in verse 14, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Go to John chapter 3 verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen, you all, we've talked about him before Nicodemus. We've talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the religious men of the day. If there was anyone that should have known God, it should have been them. Remember, we talked about it for a while, a while ago. They knew God, and yet they didn't know God. They knew all the religious ways, and yet they didn't even know the one in whom they said they were serving. They were leading God's people astray. In fact, Jesus himself calls them the sons of the devil. Think about that. You see, they thought they were right with God. And yet they were yoked with hell itself. Nicodemus comes and listen to what he says. We know that you are from God. And yet Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Listen, you all remember, this is not about a physical understanding, about the natural elements of life. Remember, Paul even says, this message I preach, the gospel in which I preach, man did not teach it to me. No, God was pleased to reveal himself to me through his son Jesus. Yes, it's good to, to hear preaching. Yes, it's good to be taught. But it's better to be born again. Of the Spirit. Because there's a lot of people who know this from beginning to end, and yet they don't know him. And yet, he is the word. Nicodemus didn't understand. How could this be? What do you mean, born again? How can I... <laughs> Go back in and come back out. And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know, and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me, then when, I'm sorry, if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. He's given Nicodemus his understanding about his crucifixion. He's given Nicodemus his understanding about who he is. For God, and we all know this verse, so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. <clears throat> there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Judgment is at hand. The world already stands judged. Jesus didn't have to come to judge the world. No, Jesus came to save the world because the world already stands judged. Remember? <laughs> like his wrath is being stored up and there's going to come a day 
when he says enough is enough and that sky is going to part and Jesus is going to return not as the little baby but as the conquering king he is storing up his wrath because the earth already stands condemned but Jesus came thousands of years ago to save the world to save us from himself from his wrath and yet we want to play church in one day out the next up one day down the next here there everywhere it's not how the church ought to be living we are the bride of Christ holy spotless be holy as I am holy that's not wishful thinking that's not God you know no that's a command but yet what we like to do is go erase it and say well no he really couldn't mean that because how can I be holy because I'm just so wretched yeah you are when you keep looking at yourself when you keep thinking it's you having to do the work. Remember what I said earlier? We can't keep our freedom. We can't maintain our freedom. We can't make ourselves free. No matter how much we try, we're going to be that dog that goes right back to what we know. So how do we maintain freedom? In Christ? I'm a dead man. You have to reckon yourself dead. Dead to sin, but alive in Christ. I know what I would do if you give me a chance, but I choose not to. Because I want to honor my God. And so I depend on Him to see me through. I depend on Him to empower me each and every single day. Again, it's not about being perfect, but it is about maturing and growing. You've been born again, you all. If you've accepted Jesus, you have been born again of this new nature. And you say, oh yeah, Rob, you've preached this already. Well, I'm going to continue to preach it because apparently we're not getting it. Because we find ourselves right back where we were when I preached it the first time, the second time, the third time. And we ought to keep preaching it to ourselves each and every single day. It's not a message that beats you down and berates you. No, it's a message to inspire you to remember the one who has set you free. The power that is in Christ and in Christ alone. He has defeated sin and death. He has defeated the very things that have tried to destroy you. We have to recognize that. We have to wake up to that reality. And as we're in our series on Friday night of spiritual warfare, I pray to God that you all will, will be, oh, just be attentive <laughs> to 
be encouraged to understand this reality. Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans said, the little bit that we were able to watch last Friday, said that when God looks down and sees your rebellious life, he sees Satan. I thought, wow, that's a powerful statement. Because we're either reflecting Satan's kingdom, Christ's kingdom. See, when we're following Christ and we're walking in obedience, when God looks down, we're reflecting Christ. Who are you imitating? We're not to be rebellious. We're not to continue to go our way. When we sin, what do we do? We get up and we repent and we move forward. Remember in 1 John, he says, I'm writing you that you will not sin, but if you do, that's why we can't make excuses for our sin. You give the enemy just a foothold, he's going to develop a stronghold. And that stronghold, as we've known and as we continue to hear, is the mindset that you believe in that's contrary to God's truth about you or about him. But praise be to God, the Word of God says that He's given us the weapons of our warfare, that if the stronghold is established, you already have what you need to demolish it. See, you are where you're at because you've chosen to be there. It's no one else's fault. It's not your past, it's not what someone's done to you, it's not this, it's not that. It's because you're chosen to believe the stronghold that's been developed. That's contrary to God's truth about you and Him. We've got work to do, you all. We've got to press in to Him. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. You're not halfway free. I've been thinking about the lady who was caught in adultery. These religious men dragged her to Jesus. <laughs> Law was she should have been killed. She should have been stoned. She was in the middle of it, and they dragged her out. Threw her down into the dirt. Tell us, Jesus. And Jesus got down in the dirt with her. You ever thought about that? Mm -hmm. He didn't stand over her. No, he got down and began to write in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. But I choose to believe one commentator I've read about, that he began to write out the Ten Commandments. And then he looks up to the accuser, accusers, and says, he who is without sin, cast a first stone. You know who should have cast the stone? Jesus. He was without sin. 
could have crushed her right then and there. She was guilty, was she not? He could have. He would have been the only one that could have picked up a stone and crushed her. But the Bible says her accusers begin to back away. From the oldest to the youngest, they begin to back away. And then Jesus looks at her. It's not good for me to stay in bed for too many days. Because I replayed all these images in my head about his great salvation and his love for us, you all. And he says to her, woman, where's your accusers? And she lifted up her head. And she looked around. And they were gone. And do you know what he said to her, you all? Do you remember? I don't accuse you. Get up and go sin no more. Get up and live a different life now. You're freed. You're freed from your past. I don't accuse you. of forgiveness, you all. That wholeness. I can only imagine for the first time in this woman's life, she gets up with dignity. Not because of anything she's done to make herself right, but because for the first time she felt clean and whole. born again because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How crazy it is that in this generation and as the generations continue and as it was in the generations before us that this message of such great love is seen as hate. Because the world does not understand. Your friends that you used to run with, they're not going to understand why you are changed. All of a sudden they're going to think, oh, so now you're better than us. All of a sudden people get offended because they cannot see. They don't understand. But don't get hurt. Just love as Jesus loved. Serve as Jesus served. He came into a world that would reject despise him and he's sending you right back in it to be his ambassador to shine your light verse 18 there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone <clears throat> but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son and the judgment is based on this fact 
God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Don't miss that. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. How many people have fallen away from faith? How many people have, have never come to faith because they rather remain in darkness <clears throat> instead of coming into the light? But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing, listen to this, do you see this? What God wants. That's how your life is to be lived now. You're living a life now honoring God and doing what He wants. Listen, we all know where we would go if we were still in charge. But as Christians, you are dead to yourself. You're growing up now in the newness of life. You're growing up in the newness of a spiritual life. You cannot walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit at the same time. It's one or the other. You choose. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. the same understanding the Bible says that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world born again I recognize that I have an enemy I recognize in the world in which I live is against the one in whom I serve I recognize that within me our desires and temptations that if given the right, they will manifest. So knowing that I have these three against me, I want to abide in the one who has saved me. So that I can walk daily in his strength and in his freedom. I don't want to allow myself or give myself the right because I can do it just once. No, you can't. I can go this way just once. What's it going to hurt? Everything. Why would you play with darkness? Why? Oh, come on. Don't take it so seriously. He took it seriously. See, if we believe in Jesus, then we have to take him for everything and every part of him for who he is. We can't just pick and choose what we like. See, there's a lot of people who talk about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. It breaks my heart every time I see it. There's a lot of good people. There's also a lot of bad people who think they're saved and they're not saved and they do continually bad things but yet they're talking about Jesus 
Ha! Know your enemy and how he works so that you will not be deceived. Careful of the false gospels that are being peddling out there lest you be deceived. Because the true gospel talks about the born again aspect of your walk with Christ. The true gospel talks about the newness of life and who you are now. The true gospel presents it, presents it as a victory, not as a oh, burden to be a Christian. The true gospel promotes Jesus Christ and not ourselves. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1. So we have this hope, you all. This hope that endures. This hope that is in Jesus that will never bring disappointment in your life. Are you disappointed today? Ask yourself that. I had to do a lot of soul searching as I've been laid up. I had to go, wow, God. There's areas in my life and my heart that oh, I'm disappointed. I wish things were different. I've seen that as I've thought of these things, I've seen how they've led me this direction. These attitudes. And yet, though I keep them well hidden, they're actually exposed. You've lost hope, Rob. Oh, God, I believe. No. What about that? Do you believe me, Rob? Hope in me will never bring disappointment in that area, in that relationship. Careful, Rob, of the foothold that you give the enemy. See, what are you thinking upon today? Where have you been the past week or so? What are you disappointed in? encourage you to give it to God. To allow him to build up hope. You don't know how long it's been, Rob. I don't need to know how long it's been or how painful it is. What I need to know and what you need to know is the God who says, give it to me. Because if you allow it, just a little bit of it, It'll work its way in. And it'll begin to manifest in the wholeness of it. It'll begin to erode. And you're going to collapse. 
See, he protects what is his. And so give it to him, you all. <coughs> Don't be without hope in any area of your life. In any area of your life. For you are a new creation. Listen to what it says here. Therefore, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, what way? The new way, this new life, this new way of living, you're growing spiritually. Think of all the years before you came to Christ, think of all the years you lived. You grew as a natural man or woman. You grew up in your desires. You grew up into who you were. It took some time, did it not? You had to mature in your sin. You had to mature in your bad attitudes. You had to mature in everything and anything that you were. So it is in your spiritual life. You have to give yourself time to grow up. So keep growing. Keep moving forward in this newness of life. <clears throat> we never give up. Listen to that. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject our shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest. I'm sorry, all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan is blinding their eyes. For people who are not understanding, for people who are perishing, they can't understand because their eyes have been blinded. Same as you were once before you came to Christ. The reason you couldn't understand is because you were perishing. The reason it wouldn't make sense is because Satan was blinding your eyes. But God. But God. Opened up our eyes to see and our ears to hear. But God had others praying for you. But God knew the condition that you were in, and yet he sent laborers among you. But God, who was so rich in his love, his desire is that none shall perish. He wants to draw you to himself. Wants to deliver you and save you. All powerful, all knowing. God can remove the hands of Satan who is blinding the eyes of the perishing and deliver them. Are you praying for others, you all? Or would you rather hold on to your bitterness? 
or your anger towards them or your insecurities or whatever the issues may be are you still dealing with things and people in the natural realm because that's not where you belong you are one of the spirit now you have to recognize whom you belong to now how you're to walk now how you're to live now you're only here for a moment use the moment and the time wisely you're just here for a moment you're but a breath here today gone tomorrow use your time wisely there's work to be done people are perishing and we have the good news people are perishing and we're sitting in church this morning so what do we do when we get up from church do we act like we're perishing just to fit in with them and keep from them the good news of our God. What kind of craziness is that? What kind of craziness is to know the truth and yet not live the truth? To hear the truth and not let it even impact you. People are perishing. Their eyes are blinded. And yet God is calling you to go forth in the darkness and to burn bright. You see, we don't go around preaching, verse 5, about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Listen to that, so we can give a right understanding of what ministry is. Ministry is not about your anointing. Ministry has nothing to do with you. It's all about God. It's all about the message of Jesus. This is what you preach. This is what you have to share. Jesus Christ is Lord. And now we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God huh? and not from ourselves. This light and this power in which we are now experiencing is nothing of our doing. It's all of God. That is all that we can testify to. It is God. It is God. This is who I once was, but this is who I am now. All because of God. Your testimony is so important. Your testimony is so important. Live a life that makes it valid. Don't allow it to be stripped because you want to play and keep going back. Your testimony of what God has done in your life, that's all you have now. It's all Him. It's not you. It's all Him. It has to be you all. If not, then all you have is a form of religion. And you're the one who the Bible says, do not be around. Think about that. The Bible doesn't tell us, and we've talked about this before, not to be around the lost. No, 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 no. We are warned to stay away from people who sit in church, come to church, and don't live the life. 
Think about that. The Bible says, have nothing to do with them. Don't even sit down and have a meal with them. Oh, come on, really? That's taking it too serious. No, 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 no. Because those are the ones who the enemy is using to blind the eyes of others. No, no, no. Don't get close to Jesus. Remain as you are. And look, you can still go to church. You can still ask God to bless you. And they're reaping destruction. They're dragging people to hell with them. Careful. Careful. How you're living. This is all not fun and games. People are perishing. And we're to be living our lives. Honoring God. We're not preaching ourselves. The power is not of us. It is all to God. All we have is Jesus. All we have to give is Jesus. We serve for Jesus. We love because he loved us first. It's all about him. We are pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but that has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. So as we're out there in the harvest, as we're out there serving and loving, proclaiming the gospel, people are coming to know Jesus. People are accepting Christ. God's glory is being manifested more and more and more. Even though the earth is growing darker and darker and darker, God's glory is growing brighter and brighter and brighter. Where's the church growing? The fastest? In the persecuted areas. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. You would think the church over in our western Civilization should be growing because we have every form of teaching, every Bible, every, every conference, everything to kind of build our faith, and yet we're the most laziest. <laughs> but over there, they meet in woods. They meet in jungles. They meet wherever they can. They don't even have the opportunity to open up or to flip it up on the phone scripture. They only can take what they can receive and, and, and the missionaries can get to them. And yet they're living with such a zeal and a passion. People are seeing there's something different about them. They're not looking to become millionaires. 
They're just looking for others to know Jesus. God instilled that in us. God, I just want more to know about you. When was the last time you prayed that? God, I just want more to know about you. This day, God, it's not about me. It's not about my wants. It's not about nothing. God, I just want more to know you. You see, when that becomes our heart's cry, when that becomes our understanding of, of who we're called to be now, God, it's all for you. It's for your kingdom. It's for your glory. I don't even want to share in it, God, because I'm not even worthy. But in Christ, God, you called me to this. So God, equip me. God, prepare me. God, send me. And in sending, God, I know that you'll provide for me. In sending, God, I know that you would strengthen me. In sending, God, I know that you would be the one who cares for every detail of my life. I don't be anxious for nothing. I want more to know about you. See, a lot of times we're just leaving that up to the pastors, to, to the evangelists, to other people. There's people I would never be able to reach because God is sending you. Don't wait for others. It's you. It's you. We all have been given the same ministry of reconciliation. Now go and reconcile others to Christ. Reconcile others to Christ. Verse 16. Again, do you notice the theme? That is why we never give up. How many times have we heard him say, we never give up, we never give up, we never give up. No, all this stuff is happening, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed each day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. What is your gaze fixed upon? Oh, my brokenness. Oh, my circumstances. It's not what your gaze should be set upon. Those are temporal things. Temporal things. Here today, gone tomorrow. No, our gaze are to be set upon Christ. I was sharing with a friend yesterday. He asked how I was doing. I said, physically, I am beaten down. My body is so worn down. Mentally, my mind is ugh, mush. But spiritually, my eyes are set on the one who has called me his own. And so yet every other area may be afflicted. He's still my God. It is him in whom I trust. He is still God, rather on poor health or in good health. He is still God, rather my mind is clear or rather it's just mush. He's still God. He's still God. Nothing changes that fact. Have you settled that within you? 
We are pressed in on every side. We're constantly going through trials. Things are going to get harder. If you haven't realized, it's not popular to be a real Christian in America. Oh, they don't mind you. Ah, Jesus, Jesus. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. Oh, I go to church. Ah. No, but you start living it. You start saying, no, I don't want to partake of that anymore. I need to honor God. No, I'm sorry. Break away from relationships that you know you don't need to be in. Start living it out. Start living your testimony. Allow the testimony of Christ to be valid in your life and watch what happens. Things are going to go upside down for you quickly. But we don't give up. We keep preaching. Jesus. Jesus. That's all I got for you. Jesus. Oh, I can get up here and do a shuck and jive for you. And put on a show for you. But then my hands would have your blood on them. I don't want to be that type of preacher. I just want to preach Jesus. Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, you all. There's no other name. But the name of Jesus. Jesus. So we fix our gaze. I think about this Muslim preacher or evangelist. Nabil, I believe is how you say his name. He gave his life to Christ and he, he served with the Rabbi Zacharias ministry. And God has used this young man. God. God has used him throughout the earth to declare the goodness of Jesus. To tell of the one and true God. If you never read any of his writings, I'll carry put his name in the book and in the notes. Y'all should look him up here. Is hear him preaching, hear his writing, listen to his testimony. And yet he's dying of cancer. <sighs> Stage four. And I've been, I know Norma has too. I've been listening to his blogs over the past couple years since he was diagnosed. And there were at points where it looks like, wow. You know, he's going to be healed. And yet, it goes right back down. And I watched his blog a few weeks ago where he said, listen, you all, basically, I don't know how much time I have left. But basically, to sum it up, but I'm going to continue to preach Jesus. Then one of his next blog, his wife, he had his wife come. His people were asking, how is she doing? God, if you don't want to see something so precious, watch that. And then really look at your life and go, what am I doing playing this kumbaya games? And then I get a notification this morning to pray for him because he's preaching in two services. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And we let the little things weigh us down. I can't live for Jesus. What are they going to think of me? We all are going to go through you all. But if we have Christ, if we've been born again, we're already free. There's no chains holding us down. There's nothing in this life that can overtake you or overrun you. The enemy cannot have you in his grips. 
the world cannot enslave you unless you choose to go that way. But why would you? Such great love. And we're called not to set our gaze on the temporal things of life, but on the eternal. Last scripture, closing in Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Freedom, you all. Freedom. In Christ. Our ministry is called True Freedom Fellowship. True meaning genuine. I don't want us to be a put on group of people where we're just pretending. No, I want it to be genuine. I don't want it to be perfect where oh, we're all just floating on clouds and everything. It's oh. No, no. I want it to be genuine. Even in our struggles. Even, on, even, even on, in our valleys and in our mountaintop experience when everything just seems to be coming together and God bless. Thank you, Jesus. But also in the midst of our valleys and walking through it. Thank you, Jesus doing life with each other, living life, true freedom fellowship. Freedom in Christ and having that genuine fellowship of relating and connecting and encouraging and edifying and building each other up so that we can go out there and impact others with this truth that we know to maintain freedom. Look at Galatians 5, verse 1. <clears throat> so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So basically, don't get tied up to religious works, to trying to do it yourself, to maintain your relationship with God. I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. I can't do this, I can't do that. Can't. No, when you start making it about law, you've lost it. It's about Christ. See, when people start saying, oh, it's this and that and this, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this and that, and, and then we're trying to add on to what Christ accomplished, ah, that's not freedom. Because whenever the law is read, whenever the law is given, all it does is make us a slave to it. And the only thing that you're to be a slave to now is to righteousness, to right living. Because of Christ. Because if I put it within me to maintain, I've lost it. <laughs> I've got to trust in Him. Because I believe in Him. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, he's addressing just circumcision. But we can put anything in there that ties us to the law. That ties us to say, oh, you have to do this in order to be saved. 
You have to worship on this certain day. You, you have to do this on a certain day. And you can't touch this. And you can't have that. And, and this and that. And you just make it all about what you're able to do. Then what benefit is Christ? If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every, every regulation and the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Paul, these are bold words because you're speaking to Jewish people. And all their lives, all they've heard <coughs> was the law. Was the law. Was the law was the law. And the law was pushed down so much on them that they forgot about the teaching of the Messiah. Think of that, you all. As much as the law was present back then, so was the hope of the Messiah. But they put more faith in the law than the hope. And listen to what Paul says here. <laughs> For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit of... I'm sorry, let me back up. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we, I'm hoping this includes all of us, who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Highlight that. Underline that. Remember it. What is important? Faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Remember, he's talking to the church here. Who has held you back from following the truth? It is certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. What is holding you back? You started out so well. What has happened to your faith? It's not God's doing. He's the one that called you to freedom. The false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who, is, <coughs> who has been confusing you. You see, there was these teachers that came into the church. They started knitting in people's ears. Paul's not preaching about circumcision. You need to be circumcised. You must follow the law in order to be right with God. This is blasphemy that Paul's preaching. Among the people who have faith in Jesus, they're entering in. And all through the New Testament, even up until through Revelation, we are warned, careful of the false teachers, careful of what's being preached and teached. When it strips Jesus of Jesus and introduces something else, it's false. Have nothing to do with it. 
Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? So then there was another twist going on. And now they're saying, hey, did you hear Paul? I heard in the other city he was preaching you must be circumcised. So now they're twisting Paul's teachings. So Paul's trying to clear all this up to get them back to what? Freedom in Christ. Bottom line, Jesus. Listen, something's confusing you all. Paul is saying, get back to freedom. Get back to what Christ came to do for you. He says here, if I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. What is Paul's message? What is all our message? The cross of Christ. It brings an offense. People don't want to hear that. Paul was being persecuted. The early church was being persecuted. Christians are being persecuted and will continue to be persecuted because all the message that we have is the cross of Christ. The lost is not, are not going to grab onto it. He says, if I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. And listen to verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Again, faith expressed in love. Listen, he says here, do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. I could do this now. <laughs> don't go twisting God's word. To please your appetites. You see, it's the enemy that comes in and he uses God's word. He twists them to lead you astray, just as he did Eve. Just as he's done from the beginning. He makes you doubt God's word. He makes you add on to God's word. He makes you strip God's word to justify you in your desires but you don't use your freedom to indulge in your sinful nature that is not what you're to do but instead use your freedom to serve one another in love for the whole law can be summed up in this one command love your neighbor as yourself but if you are always biting and devouring one another watch out because of be aware of destroying one another Wow. So I say, he goes right in to this. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, as I was sharing with you earlier, listen to what it says here, are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. 
sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, Paul, you're talking about the outside. He says, no, I'm writing to the church. (laughs) Lest you're deceived. If this is the mark of your life. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, but wait a minute. Truly, that's not what this scripture is saying. Because I just can't help myself. You know, it's just a struggle. You know, you don't understand what I had to go through. My life, my story. We're so quick to testify about our past. We're so quick to testify testify about all our enslavement. And we ought to be very quick to testify about the goodness of our God who has delivered us. You can't be marked by this way of life and and think that somehow, some way, God is just going to say, enter in. Enter in. Because then he would be against his word. And from what I can read, from Genesis to Revelation, God honors his word. Paul is trying to awaken this church, as the church in every generation needs to be awakened. Do not fall back to sleep. Do not give back in to to your cravings and your desires. Do not use your freedom to indulge in your sinful nature and think somehow, some way, I'm saved, it's okay. God is gracious, God is kind. I'll play the forgive me game. Oops, sorry, oops, sorry, oops, sorry, forgive me. God says at the end, I don't know you. I don't know you. And yet we make excuses. Instead of being broken when we do sin. Instead when that foothold is given, we go, oh God, forgive me. See, repentance is a gift. Doesn't mean you will not sin, but when you do, you ought to be very remorseful. You ought to have a true, true godly repentance. Oh God, what am I doing here? Oh God, forgive me. Oh God. And you feel the weight of that separation from God. And you long to be reconnected to him. So you repent. You get up and you move forward. You don't go to the next party. You don't go to the next thing. You don't keep going and going. You don't keep having outbursts. You just don't keep being a nasty person. You just don't keep being who you were. No, you repent. And you know, in and of myself, I will remain this way, but I belong to Christ. And it's Him that I'm clinging to. It's Him that I'm putting my trust in. 
to get up from where I've been and to move on. Because I don't, my life is not to be marked by the works of the flesh. And these were just some that he mentioned. And the rest fall in the same suit. You're living for yourself. You're giving yourself rights. And a lot of people have an issue with this. And the reason why they have an issue is because they, they've never been discipled. If you've never been taught, if you've never been held accountable, if you never walked it out with people, then I'm not quite sure what you're doing. You're, you should long to be discipled. You should long to connect with Christians. That's why he's given us the church. It's a gift. We have to do this together. Because there's so much out there pulling us away. And yet we want to go it alone. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. These are the works of the flesh. And I'm sure you can probably go through scripture and try to say, well, let me see how I can work around what Paul is saying there. And if you can find it, let me know. I put that challenge out to many of people. If you can find somewhere in this word of God that allows me to have the right to myself and still be a child of God, please show me. Because my flesh will love nothing more than to go back. So if this scripture bothers you, I hope it does. To think that you can continue to go the way you're going and to be among those who are accounted in heaven as the children of God, I don't understand. Your life is not to be marked by the flesh because the flesh only knows how to do one thing and that is to die. Think about it, you all. We've talked about it a lot here. I'm almost finished. But think about it. The things you crave, the things we long for, the things we've given ourselves to, all it's producing is death. The enemy that comes and flaunts like an angel of light before you and lures you, in the end it's just death. Feels good for the moment, but you need more to sustain it. And it's just leading you to death. Your bad attitudes, your insecurities, our addictions, everything. It just leads to death. And this is what we want to cling to. Why, when our eyes are open to the truth of God, will we continue to abide there? Because that's not where we belong. Praise be to God. He gives us the answer through Jesus Christ and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because we can live different lives, you all, no matter how enslaved we were. When I think about the darkness that I was enslaved into, I was laying up in the bed thinking about that a couple days or so ago. Like, oh, God. Like when I think about the darkness of what my flesh enjoys and the places I found myself. 
Oh God. Oh God. And for what? I was fine. The moment was all. But I needed more. I needed more. I needed more. That's all the flesh knows. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, look, have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucify them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited and provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let us walk according to the Spirit. Let love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, be what we choose to pursue. Because no matter what you're facing in life today, no matter what the trial may be, no matter what the temptation may be, if you don't yield to it, and you yield to the Spirit, this is what's going to be produced in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering. Think about that. But if you yield to those circumstances or to those temptations, only thing that's going to yield in your life is death. Death. Your choice. Make all the excuses you want to go the ways of the flesh, but death is all it brings. Oh, come on. We're spirit-filled people. Our God has delivered us, has saved us. Jesus has gained the victory. And we have the hope that is in Him. Let's close here. Chapter 6, verse 1 through 16. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. If we see one of our brothers and sisters going the ways of the flesh, yielding to the flesh, we're to come alongside them gently and humbly in hopes to help that person back on the right path. We just don't excuse their behavior. Well, that's just Yvette. That's just Carrie. That's just what Gilda does. No. It's the works of the flesh. We come alongside them to encourage them. But in doing so, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. 
For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should prove, I'm sorry, should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Highlight that, circle that, write that in front of you this week. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Think about that as we're coming to a close. What you live for is what you'll get. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. Bless you. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap the things of God. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Because the flesh only knows how to die. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Did y'all hear that? That's good news, you all. Think about what you're going to be faced with when you get up from your chair. And you go downstairs and you walk out the door. You're going to be challenged left and right. The enemy, the world, and your very own flesh. What are you going to do? Don't you dare cower down. Don't you dare give in. You need to stand up. You're freed. If you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, then I pray that today will be the day of salvation. That you would fall on your knees and you would accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That you would put your faith in Him. And that you would begin this incredible journey of living. Living. Like that woman caught in adultery. Jesus stared right at her. Raise your head, woman. Where are your accusers? I don't accuse you. Go now and sin no more. Go live a different life now. Oh, but it's so hard. It's this, you know. God, we got to get away from all that. You're enslaved. If that's your mindset, you're enslaved to the flesh. You won't obtain anything. Life is not going to be lived to the full. Because it's always about shoulda, woulda, coulda. If they only did this, if they only treated me, then you don't know. We all have our sad stories. We've talked about that many times here. We all have our sad stories, and I don't make light of it. But my God, we talk more of our sad story than his story. (laughs) And the more you focus on your sad story, trust me, His story is not what you're going to look to. You're going to look to the flesh, to the world, to the enemy. Because you just want someone to agree with you how bad your life is. And trust me, the enemy will agree with you. Trust me, the world 
will agree with you. And trust me, yourself, nothing more loves a pity party. I've said before many times, I've counseled many different people. This is how we sit. With our blanket, covered up, because we're comfortable. We like our blanket, it's our security. Whatever that blanket is, your insecurities, your, 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 your relationships, that, things that are not good, feels good, looks right, but we don't want to give it up. Some of us have got to just get up and get away from that which we have been covering ourselves with. It doesn't even make sense if you really think about it. Why would we continue to hold on to the very things that are destroying us? Why do we continue to cover ourselves? Because it's just all I know. I don't want to get up from this place. We're going to stay there, but you're going to die. That's why it's so powerful when Jesus comes up and he asks the man, do you want to be healed? Jesus could have just touched him and healed him. There were hundreds of other people. Jesus didn't ask them. No, he went up to the same and says, do you want to be healed? Well, I can't just get to the water. No one helps me. But do you want to be healed? Yes, then get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Get up from the place that you're at. Stop making excuses. Stop tolerating your sinful behavior. Stop blaming others. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up, fold your blanket, and walk. Get up. Get up. Because nothing good is going to come from it. And I know you can hear that here. Oh, yeah, praise God. Oh, yeah. But then you'll go right out and you'll get among the people who keep you covered. Because they'd like for you to stay stuck. Because it's good for them because they're stuck. That's us all get up under the blanket and hold each other. And we're all just going to die. A miserable, wretched life. Oh, poor life. <laughs> For what, you all? For what? Why on earth would we settle for that when we have freedom? Why on earth would we settle to continue to sow to the things that just kill us? Why would we think that we can mock the justice of God? You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest every everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's get <coughs> so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I'm going to close with verse 14 and through 16. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interests in this world have been crucified, and the world's interest in me also has died. We've talked about this verse before. Do you understand the power behind those words? May we never preach anything else 
except the cross of Christ. Because it's because of that. My interest in the world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. That's how you ought to be living. When those temptations, when those desires, when those insecurities, when that sin nature just flares up, you say, no, 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 you're dead. I've nailed that to the cross. I've nailed it to the cross. And when the desires flare up, no, you're to have no interest in me. Because I'm not yielding myself to this anymore. You're trusting in Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether you have been transformed into a new creation. Did you hear those words? It doesn't matter if you're following the law or not. If you're trying to do this in your own strength, it's of no value. The only thing that matters is whether you have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. So that there's no confusion. Do you hear what's captured? Inspired by the Holy Spirit for Paul to write to the church. Do you know in the, in the early church, the way you were marked as a believer is from a transformed life? That's why in the Bible when it says, if you were a thief, still no longer, now work hard and give your money to the poor. If you have foul language, change the way you speak. Live differently now. See, whatever's marked of you for who you were, live differently now. Because that's the hope you can. Live differently. You don't have to be the same. You are marked now <coughs> as the new people of God. This, look what it says here. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. For they are the new people. And this is my hope to encourage you today as we go into next week, kind of just hanging around this topic. And then we'll kind of take a break and then we'll pick back up walking through the Bible. And I really feel it's so important to walk through the Bible so that we can get to know our God. I don't know how many of you have ever actually read through the Bible, but we're covering a lot of material, you all. And I know it's a lot, but I can't wait to get back in it. But for now, this week, I want you to get the notes and I want you to go back to these scriptures and I want you to meditate on it. Be the people of God, you all. Live this transformed life. Oh, but I can't. I still got this. I still got that. Stop looking at what you still got. Start looking at all that he's accomplished. Because when you start comparing it, your list is very small. We all still have issues in our lives and in our hearts. But the difference is, is those issues don't have us. Did y'all hear that? That's the freedom that's in Christ. Yeah, there's still stuff that still needs to be worked on. There always will be until we're with Him. But that shouldn't be an excuse to continue to sin. No, God, here it is. No, thank you, Lord, for pointing that out. I know you're not pointing it out because you're, you're, you're this horrible, mean God. No, it's because of your love. Give that to me, Rob. 
Get up from that place. Come this way. Don't touch that, Rob. What benefit is that going to help you? Stay with me. Abide with me, he says. The hope that is in Christ, you all. It's what we have. That's what sustains us in a vile, wicked, darkened world. Is our hope. Now go forth and burn brightly, you all. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer. Oh uh-huh.